do this. Have you ever watched Dragon Ball Z? No. <laughs> I feel like that's that's how our conversations always go. Have you ever? Blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> the conversation ends. <laughs> well, for the viewers at home, I um, on episode eight mm-hmm. of Lovecraft Country, mm. right when Topsy and Bobsy were digging into Diana. Mm. I thought about on Dragon Ball Z at the end of every episode, mm. there's like this music that kicks off and it's like, boom, 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 boom. It, like it teases Just like you. That. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the narrator starts talking like, oh my God, something happened. And what's going to happen next? And I thought about Lovecraft. If this is the narrator of some anime, he'd be like, that nigga Montrose is fucking up again. The demons, Topsy and Bobsy, have finally captured Diana <laughs> and have begun to unleash their curse. What fiendish plans do they have for our hero? Will Hippolyta come back from the future to save her daughter? Find out on the next Lovecraft Country. Thank God that's not a thing. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? (laughs) And on that note, blur it up, blur it up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D. P-R-U-P, we're on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P, and we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D. You find us on Blur.com, our partners. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Jade. I'm back again. A serious, guys, if you don't want me here, you can just tell them. Like, it's real tea. <laughs> Come on now. If you do like us, subscribe, give us some reviews that would really help us out. Let us know that, that you care. I want to read a couple new reviews from Apple Podcasts. First one is from Ebster Z said love it this has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts i get excited whenever i see a new episode has posted the commentary on movies books etc is very thoughtful and i enjoy getting the host's perspective that was brendan's comment he did that <laughs> no i didn't i i'm i feel like an old man i don't even know how to do that i'd have to ask you like jay baby how do i leave a comment here uh, our next one is from arcana who's called our show powerful. This is precisely the kind of show I was looking for, a black point of view show on pop culture, nerdery, and all things between. The hosts are brutally honest in their views, tackling the issues of the day and important milestones in black cinema and pop culture, all with power and notable chemistry. These folks are awesome, and I strongly suggest folks give them a listen. This is precisely the kind of show I was looking for as I try to diversify my nerd podcast listening Thanks for the show, y'all. You're fantastic. Thank you, Arcana. Thanks, Brendan's mom. We're we're a Samsung family. <laughs> I'll have you know. And last one, Roxanne five 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 seven six four. I sound like a troll. <laughs> Luckily, Roxanne was cool. A bot. Amazing. One of the most thoughtful, nerdy podcasts I have heard. Not only are the hosts knowledgeable, but you can tell they are also highly intelligent, yet still personable. Now, I want to jump into Lovecraft Country because we have a lot to catch up on. Two episodes. We have a lot to catch up on. Before we start our discussion on the episodes, though, I do want to bring up news for Indigenous Peoples Day. And I don't know if you saw this news, but Misha Green, who is the screenplay writer for the show, was asked on Twitter why she chose to portray Yahima, the indigenous intersex character, the way that she did. Mm. And she replied, I wanted to show the uncomfortable truth that oppressed folks can also be oppressors, but I didn't examine or unpack the moment slash portrayal of Yahima as thoroughly as I should have. Mm. 
It's a story point worth making, but I failed in the way I chose to make it. Mm. Yeah. I was wondering if maybe because that person was magical that they would come back maybe, but mm. it seems that they are just gone. Yeah, they're gone. Maybe if there's a season two, they can have a flashback maybe and mm. redeem the character, give them some more time. But yeah, um, I was talking to you about this a little earlier, but her openness made me think about the challenge I'm doing in regards to reading the books written by black women. Mm. And I feel like I'm not doing enough. And I I realized that it's easier to analyze a movie or an episode than a book because it because they require less time to consume. Mm. And I haven't done a proper book report since I was like in middle school, yeah. you know. Furthermore, I really haven't flexed my reading muscle in a long time. It simply takes longer for me to process books than before. I never thought my analyses for The Bluest Eye or Freedom is a Constant Struggle were up to the standard that I gave everything else on this show. For the sake of expediency, I just wanted to say enough about them to recommend them to people and just move on. Mm. But I always thought I was doing those books a disservice, so... I apologize if I have disappointed some people in that regard. A big reason why I haven't talked about the Bell Hooks book I've been reading is because I have been meditating on how I want to present these books from now on. It's my favorite book of the three so far. Mm. It's really dense, but really powerful and so important, and I want to give it the proper time and energy that it deserves, that black women deserve, especially those who have affected the social political landscape on a level I will never come close to and young men like my brothers who listen to this show I want it to mean more for them too so hopefully I can get that together get myself together and do better for you all soon that's admirable yeah all right let's move on to Lovecraft Country proper though episode eight. Oh my god they start off with the death of Emmett Till yeah hottest day of the year Cruel Summer. Mm. I didn't like that placement. Thank you. I didn't like it. Thank you. I understood it. I didn't like it. Thank you. Maybe it would have hit harder if the camera panned away, or better yet, started with white children playing carefree maybe on the other side of town. Way better placement. Yeah. Speaking of white kids, on that note, I thought it was strange to see Diana throw rocks at black kids during that time as opposed to white kids. Like... What do you think the well, the reason for that was? There were like many things that I noticed just in that moment. One, I think the reason for that is it kind of correlates with how, you know, when Ruby uh, was working at that store. Marshalls. And Marshalls. And she got on Tamara um, in the sense of just kind of like, what are you doing here? You have this opportunity and you haven't like you've just been handed it. It's just been handed to you and you haven't worked for it. And I feel like for Ruby in that sense, like, I mean, she's has a lot of pain. Um, her father's dead. Her mother's missing. All the adults around her are lying. Her best friend. You said has, Ruby. You mean Diana. Oh, sorry, Diana. Her uh, her mother's dead. Her fa- I'm sorry. Her, her father's dead. Her mother is missing. Her best friend is dead. All the adults around her have been lying. Um, and she's upset. And she's hurt and she sees two black girls who I feel were a foreshadowing for Topsy and Bopsy 
because um, it was a dark-skinned girl and a light-skinned girl, eating vanilla ice cream, which was illegal for black people during Jim Crow time, just having a ball and smiling and laughing while when everything is shut down because of Emmett Till. Mm. So, yeah, I completely understood why she threw rocks at them and said, well, you're, you, why are you having fun right now? This is not a time to be having fun. Where, When the NOI were yelling no more to, to the people mourning, mm. it just it highlights how long this fight has been waged. Mm. Freedom is a constant struggle. Emmett Till was 14 years old. Mm. Michael Brown was murdered just 20 minutes from my home mm. in America. My, Tamir Rice was 12 when he was murdered. He was the same age as my little brother was at the time, valedictorian at his elementary school. And he was bigger than most and a very gifted football player. I was terrified for my brother at that time. For my white listeners, it, it cannot be overstated the fear of waking up or getting a call from people about your loved ones being murdered. Like that haunts me every day, literally every day. It's especially anxiety inducing when you live so far away like, like Jade and I. Sometimes I don't know if I'll be able to go home mm. to visit them, especially now that this virus is here. Yeah, but uh, ain't no getting around this. Mm-hmm. It's every Negro's rite of passage. I think to me, I don't know about you, but this was the most powerful line of that episode. Mm. Because, yeah, whether someone close to us is taken or not, every black person has to at some point see someone who looks like them brutalized on the news or social media and to make matters worse no matter how hard you protest not see justice for their killers like what brown taylor's family is going through right now and that cloud follows us everywhere my brother started carrying that weight right as he barely started puberty mm-hmm. so i really felt for d here and then she got assaulted by the cops the same day mm-hmm. that was disgusting yeah the i can't breathe Again, Mm -hmm. signifying that this has been going on for so long. I found it hysterical that they asked, like, what her mother's name is. And she says Hippolyta. And he's like, oh, these niggers in their their African names. I was like, you fucking idiots, Greek. And it just reminded me of my my cousin. Her name is Juno, which is um, a Roman god. And so she would be like, oh, is that African? Like, it's like, no, it's... (laughs) <laughs> it's the goddess of wisdom and war, but go off. Uh, so, like, so I just thought that was really hilarious in that moment. Those cream of was, wheat eyes. Huh? The, the cream of wheat man, his eyes. Yeah, Ooh. I thought it was really poignant when she was saying, I can't breathe. Mm. That was, of course, like a callback to just many things. And also just like, just kind of having like the weight of things on her, just like being like, I can't breathe even in that sense. And the cream of wheat, I found it funny that, because that is like a notorious racist cream of wheat ad so it just was and it's interesting how they've used these this uh, marketing this propaganda within the season to show the juxtaposition of how black people were just viewed during those times well i mean viewed now i mean just now i think it was uncle ben's is no longer uncle ben's so you know and what year is it 2020 so (laughs) didn't aunt jemima just get taken off right and i think even her family was like no it's okay it's cool and it's like it's really not though guys like (laughs) yeah so i feel like just for that scene with it um i don't know i didn't really have a lot to say about lancaster um accosting her i just felt like it's like the utmost disrespect to spit on someone yeah the utmost disrespect. And for that man to spit on that child's head, 
I was like livid. And this poor thing has, she has gone through so much only to be like choked by one of these fools and spit on by another. But how badass was it for her to pay them back with that and storm the police station, spit back on him? Mm -hmm. Fuck you, pig. Mm -hmm. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier about her light not being dimmed. Mm -hmm. Despite, you know, the figurative curse of being a black girl in America and the literal curse that's chasing her, she's still defiant to do what the fuck she wants. And Well, her parents taught her that. Yeah, for sure. And it was at that moment that I realized that Diana mm. is Wonder Woman. Hippolyta is her mother in the comic book. Mm. Just, Diana is also a goddess's name, but I can't pinpoint it right now. Yeah, but yeah both badasses. Mm. Let's talk about uh, Topsy and Bopsy, though. No, okay, so, okay, full disclosure, I do not do scary shit. I am a scary ass bitch. I don't watch scary movies. Like if you you can name a scary movie, I have not seen it unless it's by a black writer and or black director. That's the only reason why I would watch it. So this season, for the most part, has been fine. It's been okay. You know, Ruby's episode is really gory, but it was okay. You know, <laughs> but when Diana, which shout out to the little Easter egg of the Chicago, oh, what, what were they called? Uh, the Chicago American Giants cap that she was wearing. Um, but Diana's on the subway station and you just hear the music and she's looking and I'm like, what is she looking at? Mm. And I'm just like, I look in the door and I just see that little, those little red, like the watermelon. Bitch! (laughs) (laughs) I literally paused and I said, why? I was so upset because it's like, I knew I'd have nightmares. It was like, I'm fucked for a good, uh, for a week, I'm screwed. Nightlight on deck. Like I'm, I'm screwed. I like horror films, but one thing that does mess me up are spooky children. And they, they had those thriller eyes popping and locking. The, the Weird scene, smiles. The scene in the alley was the, weir- was the scariest to me. That was. Couldn't they come out of the dark? And she didn't know they were there. Mm-mm. This was definitely a Jordan Peele. Just bouncing. Inspired element. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? I guess you haven't seen It Follows. It's a horror film. Nope. <laughs> but it's about a... Essentially, a sexually transmitted demon. La 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 la. I'm not listening. Wow. Mm-mm. Okay. I'm not doing it. And it, it literally just walks around slowly, and it takes different human Jesus forms until it catches you and kills you. Anyway. Okay. I, okay. Okay. Jesus. We're done. We're Thank done. You. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just feel like Tops and Bobsy. They're gonna spawn a whole generation of Halloween costumes. It's like this white- is not. This is not okay. No. <laughs> it's like white men were the crow for like 15 years, and I feel like black women are going to be Topsy and Bobsy. And knowing America, white men are going to be Topsy and Bobsy, so oh, let's, be, no. <laughs> let's just oh. keep it one on it. <laughs> well, they're already Lancasters. Keep two let's go. <laughs> Props to Bianca Bruton and Kaylin Harris for their performance. They knock it out the park. I thought they were kids, but they're, they're grown-ass women. Yeah, they're grown-ass women. Yeah. Let's talk about Ruby and Christina. Let's please... There's a new kink, uh, race gender shifting. I have so many issues with this. I mean, you know, squirting during sex is one thing, but who's cleaning that up? That's what you care about? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking we're going to get to nitty gritty, and he's like, so the blood and guts on the bed. Who's going to wash those sheets? I mean, we can, we can, we can get there too, <laughs> but it's not about just marching. There's like chunks of meat and it, who? No. Christina probably has a maid to do it. What kind of maid? <laughs> 
Christina probably has a maid to do okay. it. Okay, okay, maybe. <laughs> I was just, con- I mean, just like you, I was confused the whole time on that level, but obviously I had issues <laughs> with what she did too. Do you want to, do you want to speak on that? Um, Speak on the blood and guts on the baby? No, <laughs> okay, on, on like, Ruby's what? motivation for doing that. Yeah, let's get into that. Um, <laughs> So Christina's assertion that uh, Ruby doesn't give a shit is a very interesting view because later on, um, in the episode when um, Ruby and Letty are basically putting all their cards on the table with one another. Ruby is honest in her purpose for her journey to being separated from the pain of her femininity and her blackness. I feel that for, because I, I also listen to uh, people's like views, like reviewers, and many of them are white men, and I feel that they have this assertion that Ruby wants to be a white woman. I don't think Ruby wants to be a white woman. They also have this assertion of Christina wanting to be a white man. I don't think Christina wants to be a white man either. I think they are perfectly fine being women and being white and black. I just feel that Ruby just lives in the weight of her blackness. And she she wants to be separated from that, wanting to be free from all of that. And not wanting to be white per se, but wanting to be free from the the heaviness of her blackness. And I have issues with Ruby seeking solace in Christina at that time. I have severe issues because it it's kind of like how for most people who probably watch the show, Tick's heroicism has kind of been chipped away as the episodes have gone on. Mm-hmm. For me, Ruby's selfishness has started to come in full bloom mm-hmm. for me. And that for me was very, as soon as I saw her step on Christina slash William's doorstep, I was like, so you choose today to crawl into this woman slash man's arms. This is the moment. And then even her speech to Christina can on the surface sound so well and good and like, yes, you white devil. How can you not understand and blah, 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 blah. And then for Christina to spit back at her and say, like, you don't really care. I mean, I feel like I'm going to touch base on it more with like the next episode. Mm -hmm. But. Christina saying that to her was not off base whatsoever. I feel that deep down Ruby does not care because Ruby hates the weight of caring. She's sick of it. Well, you said that you think that she doesn't, but in her own words, she said, I don't want to be white. I want to, I'm going to use magic to make my own space. Mm. And she wants to use the master's tools to free herself. Mm. And we know how that usually works out. Mm Mm-hmm. When you want to change from within, they usually change you mm-hmm. more than you change them. Right. And we saw in episode, you know, episode nine, rewind uh, nineteen twenty one. At this point, now Ruby doesn't care. Tick dies. Who's changed? Christina ain't changed. I have more to say about that when we get there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I do too. I do yeah, too. I got way more to say about that. <laughs> you want to talk about Gia? Yeah, I was like waiting. I was like, so when are we talking about Gia? So, <laughs> as people living in Korea. I am sure you so appreciated. I appreciated the attention to detail with the shoes at the door. <laughs> when I tell you, I hollered when he walked up and stopped, and I just saw those tiny little shoes. I was like, "Bah, Jay's here!" I'm like, I yelled. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> folks don't. The folks back at home are probably not going to get that. No. It's not just Japan. Korea no, no, does no. do that too. <laughs> How do you feel about him handling that situation? Because I didn't like it. Tick's attack on Gia was very layered not only for his personal issues and taking that out on her um, and making her seem feel like she was nothing um, or insignificant to him 
or making their experience, make her, making her feel like their experience was insignificant and small. I just was disgusted by that whole entire exchange. Same. But also it really reminded me of the after effects of the Korean War and how military, the American military as well, essentially just use these women to fill these voids, fill these holes, which Tick has been doing this entire season. He's been using Letty to fill this void, fill this hole that's inside him. But there's no real, there's no real love there, I have to say. And this is coming from somebody who's never been in love. But I just, so take my, what I'm saying from it with a grain of salt. But sure. I just feel that that whole exchange between Gia pretty much disgusted me. And I do also want to say, for some people, I feel like on the surface, Letty's reaction could seem as if she was upset about Gia because he never told her about Gia. Letty isn't upset about Gia. Letty is upset because Tick knew about magic, he knew about his imminent death, and he still got everybody dragged into his bullshit because he is selfish. And that's a little harsh, but that's just me. Yeah, I think it's an easy read to know why she was upset. But who's all dead now? George is dead. Who else is dead? And not even it doesn't even have to be like dead. It's everyone's just, just everybody's entangled. Affected. Everybody's entangled in his in his web. And also to throw it back, where at the funeral and when Dee goes missing, um, Letty tells him, everyone's like, okay, we need to go find her. And he's looking at his watch. Why? What is he distracted by? He needs to go meet Christina. It's everybody is a casualty. Mm. which is it goes back to who was the uh, i can't remember her name uh yewa the um the native american yahima yahima thank you when she said i don't know you but i know your blood it's in him mm. it's in him and so it's just like and she's been saying this like this is evil he's like no we can use it we can use. no it's not this is not okay and you're taking everybody down this path of destruction so i yeah I, I feel you. Counterpoint. Mm. Tick really didn't understand what was happening to him too. Mm-hmm. When when Gia did all that stuff to him and he just ran out, he was panicked. He really didn't understand. I'm, I'm sure he didn't really understand what to make of that. Mm. And probably before he really realized like, oh my God, this could really be a thing. Mm-hmm. It was probably way after Uncle George died, for example. I understand that he probably should have told her sooner, but... But he's his dad's son. He'll lie and kill to protect because he thinks he's protecting everybody. That's true. And maybe his relationship with Letty is similar to Montrose and Sammy, how they're using that person. But I don't think Montrose is using Sammy. I, I know, I'm not saying he's using her. I, and I think Tick loves Letty in his own way. It's not a good way in my view. Mm. But I think because he doesn't really understand how to love in, in a good way. Mm, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, it's problematic. Mm. But again, it's kind of like how he called his father the F word. It's mm. like, this is a problem, but I understand why you did it mm. in a sense. Let me go back. You talked about this uh, lady saying, get the fuck out. And then he leaves, and then she's like, "Where are you going? Where are you going?" I was like, "Bitch, if you don't." <laughs> it's like, no, let's 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 do it together. Like, yo, I hate those games in real life. I was, so, I literally laughed. I was like, you know, <laughs> partners be telling you Where to you go. I was like, 
but you really want them to stay and convince you. It's like choose a lane. Like, like ma'am, let's not. <laughs> on behalf of all men, that drives us fucking crazy. On behalf crazy. of all women, that drives us crazy. It's not just women who do it. It's men who do it too. Really? Yeah. Um, my ex. All the fucking time. Was like, just <laughs> j- just go? No, no. So, like, if I told him to leave, he'd be like, okay, I'm leaving. But I really want to talk. No, n- get out. I don't want to talk about this. Get okay. out of my house. Like, okay, all right, you're right. We need space. But I really want to. No, get out. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not a female thing. Okay. It's a people thing. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a crazy people thing. But let's okay. move on. <laughs> all right. Montrose, I... I like that the show continues to pull the curtain back on Montrose. He's becoming one of my favorite characters, and his talk with Tick was really great. If you don't know his church story about the pastor being arrested, these those things are based in reality. Along with electroconvulsive therapy, scientists really did perform lobotomies on queer people in the past. More extreme techniques had electrodes implanted directly into the brain. So thinking about it, it... Again, you you feel a little more sympathy for Montrose because, in part, he was trying to save Tick's life the best way he knew how, Mm -hmm. the the best way he was shown. Yeah. You know, his his quote was, you know, that's what our love was built on, Mm -hmm. which was sad and it's tragic. But I I found something beautiful and, like, I feel like Montrose, Dora, and George's situation is completely understandable. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's understandable that, that Tick doesn't get it, but because of his, like, his experiences with his father, but... Hearing Montrose explain their situation, I'm like, oh, this totally makes sense. And then when you see in episode nine, mm. it's like all, all they had was each other. Right. And Montrose needed that relationship with Dora. He needed that 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 son in Tick. So it's just like I completely understand how they had essentially a throuple between the three of them. You know? Yeah. And it, it was actually just really beautiful to see that in episode nine when you see like how the parties played, mm. you know? How do you feel about Letty making deals with the devil in the church? I understand it. I I understand why Letty did it. Letty was like, just give her the pages so we can save Tick. So whatever happens, whatever he does, he'll be fine. I don't understand why Letty didn't see it as a red flag when she was like, when Christina said she wouldn't make um, tick invulnerable, but she'll make Letty invulnerable. Mm. I don't understand why that didn't scream in Letty's head. Oh, she doesn't want Tick to be invulnerable mm. because she needs Tick to die so she can become immortal. Mm. I don't know why that didn't like click for her, but again, story. So, yeah, I didn't think very much about her making the deal because I completely understood it. It was like, you want these lost pages? Here, take these pages. We'll find the book. Just make him invulnerable so whatever happens, happens, and he'll be safe either way. Right. So I completely understood what she was doing. But, yeah, I I was thinking more on the sense of, like, wait, so this woman said no, and you didn't you didn't think twice to be like, why, bitch? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> that was where my mind went. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. I want to get to a couple of things before we go on to episode nine. Mm. I also had a question for you. Okay, please. Um, I just want to make sure I'm in the right episode. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, because there are a couple things. Yeah, so Tick mentions that when he received the book in the future, there was a riot. A riot. White people were upset. Um, and then a woman in a hood with a robotic arm gave him the book that his son writes and shoved him back out of the portal. Do you think the woman was D? Because remember D's arm. Oh, yeah, fucked. that's right. That's a good point. And Hippolyta, Hippolyta, a.k.a. Arethia Blue, 
can just gallivant in the future. So do you think? I mean, she was it 200 years of infinite wisdom. Right, on what, Earth 504. Whatever math that is. I have 200 years of infinite wisdom. What, what does that mean? But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So I was wondering, do you think that that's D? I'm with you on that. Okay, <laughs> let's let's do it. I was wondering about that. You heard it here, folks. And then I did want to say Jade's about... Jade's prediction. Okay. So uh, at the end, mm-hmm. um, where there's that beautiful moment where D just encompasses her mother and is just a fighter through and through, and they're playing the um, Naomi Wadler speech from... March for Our Lives. Yes, from the March of Our Lives. Um, what did you want to say about that? I don't have much to say. I, oh. thought, I, mean, I thought, even though that speech, for those who don't know, it came, uh, she performed that two years ago. Mm. The speech was specifically about gun violence against women, but I thought it was really edited well here. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, so I just feel like that speech was like the soundtrack for the entire episode. Mm. Um, it speaks to the way that black girls aren't able to be young. For mm. example, D having so much trauma at such a young age. Mm. And when we think of uh, our black young girls who are children, but they're sexualized um, at a young age or thought of as adults at a very young age, um, the way they're used and thrown away with all the stories we hear about black women who are murdered and raped and their bodies thrown away, their killers are never found. For I think there's like tons of stories about like in certain places where it's just a serial killer is just on the loose killing black women. And it's like, so this has been going on for how many years? And nothing's been done about this. The way they're just completely ignored in school settings, the way they are misunderstood and stifled from meeting their full potential. Um, Dee was forgotten by her own family this entire episode. Let's Mm. just call it out. She was completely forgotten by her whole entire family. She even went to Letty and the girl was like choking to say what was wrong with her and couldn't because of the, uh, because of the curse. And Letty's like, girl, go in the house and get some water. Like, because they're so focused on their own shit. And her best friend, like I said, was beaten to an inch of his death. He had barbed wire wrapped around his neck, was dragged behind a truck for miles, and then thrown in a lake with the weight of a cotton gin. Um, she had to feel that pain, see his body, all while her father, was, um, who was a strong foundation in her life, is dead, and her mother is missing. And the adults around her are lying to her face about everything. Like, she's asking Montrose for answers, and the man is lying to her face. And we don't do right by our black girls, plain and simple. And we need to do better. Absolutely. The last thing I want to talk about for this episode was Christina reenacting Emmett Till's death to understand what it's like. This really bothered me. And it it made me even angrier in episode nine because after this this ordeal, she was kind of crying laughing she didn't sell the scene great i didn't choice. i didn't know exactly i, I didn't thought it was a great yeah choice. it that the following episode shows that she really does not care it was just an experience that she can wash wash off i mean white liberals will watch shows like this or 12 years a slave to feel guilty for a couple hours and then go about their day like just upholding the status quo and that's what i took from that yeah, so I felt it was very layered. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, I just thought it was a great acting choice, like from the crying to the laughing. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, bitch, you better act your ass off. Um, I think uh, 
it speaks to her relationship to Ruby to want to understand what Ruby was feeling and saying. Mm-hmm. So it speaks to that there is a sincerity in her personal relationship to Ruby, mm-hmm. but I'm going to speak on what I feel that sincerity is when it comes to the next episode. It, but it also speaks to her white privilege mm-hmm. for her to be able to escape such a, a horrid act and then laugh about surviving from it. Um, to not mention that it's it's sick and it's twisted that as a white person, you can't naturally empathize with such a horrible situation. You have to pay to be shown what actually happened to try to understand just basic human empathy and how she just lacks that humanity, even when it comes to tick of just like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get it. Like, we're relatives, but I need you to die so I can do what I got to do. Yeah. And but, but I mean, personally, shout out to the writers for not recreating this with a black body. You know what I mean? And just doing like showing us how horrific that was, but not with another black body. So shout out to them for that. But, you know, white people trash. I mean, they say in the next episode, but, you know, I mean, we we've been new. So I lied. Well, one more thing I did want to talk about. We talked about Letty and Ruby in the dark room, but there was another conversation that hit and it showed us again that. Black people have been dealing with guilt about how much they choose to engage or absorb. Mm -hmm. And Letty felt bad about not looking at Emmett or taking pictures, she said. I forgot what she was guilty of, but she felt like she wasn't doing enough Mm. in regards to the funeral. Mm -hmm. And Ruby said, choosing what's best for yourself in that moment was a different kind of bravery. You can't feel guilty for protecting yourself first. Right. You know, we don't have to look at every police murder. We don't have to watch every attack yeah. on camera it's not our duty but at the same time as we talked about earlier today this doesn't really feel right coming out of ruby at this point mm. and we'll get to that in episode nine let's mm. transition so we're not going to talk about how to train your show off I mean, <laughs> we don't have to I'm we saying. could we could they don't really address that in episode nine but that was a cool scene that was a very intense scene though yeah it was. and letty walking out like the she's like neo in the matrix you know <laughs> But that was really awesome. That was, that, was, that was a great scene. That was a great action scene. But, I mean, Montrose is dyslexic, so you still want him to read this book? Okay, cool. Cool, cool. We can do that. That's cool. It worked. I feel, did, did, okay. <laughs> cool. Is, uh, is Tick alive? Yep. It, 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 cool. <laughs> Episode nine. The transformation of Diana back to her real self. The maggots out the arm. Ooh, I... I can't do that. I, I wasn't fucking with that. She reset it. Ooh, that was gross. Ooh, yeah. that was gross. Christina reset it. Yeah. And I was like, bitch. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a lot. Like the flies started coming around and they just like, I, was, I started scratching myself. I was like, okay, okay, I got it. Yeah. That's, yeah. You saw that even her mouth was, she was turning into mm-hmm. the, the piccaninny. Mm-hmm. Just great, very effective horror. Very effective visuals there. And right when Montrose and Tick are starting to bond, he reveals, I'm not your dad. Wait, no, he didn't say that. I might not be Thank your father. Thank you. <laughs> right. Which I, means that's true. <laughs> I might not be your father. Just what a mind job, though. Mm. Getting beat for years by someone who probably isn't your dad while the real one just watches, knowing that he's your real father. And then you notice that both men are dealing with with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Montrose keeps hearing his father berate and beat him, and now we know those are the last experiences he had with his dad before he was murdered. Mm. I can't imagine what he must have felt like 
what he must have felt summoning that strength to go through the portal, like to to experience the worst day of his life again. And even when he went back to see himself get beat, he said that he deserved it. My heart really broke for him there. And I felt for Tick too, because Tick at that moment realized like, yeah, my my dad really had a fucked up life, Mm. but I'm still damaged. Like what, what do you do with that anger? And I'm asking for uh, a friend, really, um, <laughs> really myself, actually. I um to put a little of myself in this. Mm. I stopped talking to my dad just last week, really, because I really got tired of his his own toxicity. Mm. Um, and this may be a lasting silence. Mm. There's there's only really been one time when he became barely vulnerable with me about why he was the way he was regarding his upbringing. That was about 10 years ago. And as sad as Lovecraft's storyline is, mm-hmm. I've seen more emotional development with Tick and Montrose in these nine hours than I have with my dad in nine years. Mm-hmm. But I love the exchange with Tick and Montrose in this episode and really when he embraces his dad when Thomas died. That was really touching. I mean, just sometimes we need healing from different places, from different people in order to heal the whole self, you know? Not just from Sammy and Drag Ball, but from every aspect of your life to, to love yourself and love yourself in front of different people. Mm. Yeah, and you know, it also for me makes me think about this eternal question, especially these days, about cancel culture and when we should forgive or extend some sympathy. You said on the last show, when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm. And I think that's a good guideline. I'm not so married to that hundred percent. And of course, we know we... But that's not who they are. Right, exactly. We don't know who they were. We don't right. know who they could be. And even when someone shows you who they are, that isn't their whole self in the present. You know, Tick doesn't hear the voices in pain that haunt Montrose every day, for example. You know, and of course, not everyone deserves such deep consideration and, and boundaries for yourself are exactly. definitely important. I don't want anyone to think that I'm, you know, some hippie about this. I think these days people can be sometimes too quick to to judge to lash out to cut off and but for the record i mean i don't blame tick for his anger his resentment and i wouldn't blame him if he really did cut things off with montrose especially if he wasn't more open and remorseful in these later episodes i just i just appreciate that this show illustrates that people and situations aren't as black and white as many make it out to be and i again with me and my dad i'm still thinking about what i should do with him Mm. and those scenes hit for me a lot. Mm. Yeah, I feel like to to clarify um, kind of that sentiment, I feel like when it comes to, it's, it, it can sound very black and white, but it's not. Because sure. um, I feel that, for example, Tick and his relationship with his father, or you and your relationship with your father, because um, I don't know all the details, but I just feel that... Um, It's one thing to understand where people are coming from. That doesn't mean that they can continue to add toxicity into your life. Mm. And so I can completely get um, uh, Montrose and why he did the things he did and Tick and his anger and the reason why he lashes out. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean 
that Letty needs to give him the bligh every time he fucks up. That doesn't necessarily mean that Tick needs to continue a relationship with his father, even though he's not dealing with this trauma that he dealt with. If Tick is doing the work to deal with his anger issues, but his father is still being toxic, just for example, Mm -hmm. and his father is still being toxic and not dealing with his issues, hey, you've shown me that you are not growing past this Mm -hmm. and I am trying to grow Mm -hmm. and your lack of growth is inhibiting me from Mm. moving on. So I believe you now and I'm moving on. And I feel like that's, it's not so black and white. Mm -hmm. Like when it comes to that, it really does, it is very much a case by case issue and it really does equate to what do you want in your life? Because family members are one thing. A person you work with is another. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's like they're completely different opposites. So it's like I feel like I hear you when it comes to. Um, first of all, I feel like the whole idea with cancel culture. I feel like it's 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 not real. You you can't cancel a person. That's ridiculous. But I feel like I mean um, it's you know and in the sense of just cutting someone off. I think that's that's what I'm yeah. for, for me. Yeah, but I just feel like just in general, the whole like, because I feel like a lot of people who should necessarily technically be quote unquote canceled, they're the main ones who are like, what's with the cancel culture? I just called him a nigger and tried to get him arrested. It's like, well, bitch. All right. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know? Yeah. so I feel like I feel like there there's real there's real um fear in the sense of um, not allowing people to grow from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Which is very real, because mm-hmm. like I, but I feel like people need to show you who they are. So if you, so if it was that celebrity who at fourteen years old was slinging the n word on Twitter when they were fourteen, but as they've grown on, they've donated to uh, causes, they've used their platform and their privilege to do something, they've spoken out about the education that they received. Are they still canceled? No, they've shown us who they are. They've shown us that they've grown. But I feel like if. You're a Jeffree Star, bitch. Get out of my face! Like, mm. <laughs> like you, you're not really with the shits. Like, so I'm not here for you. Speaking of <laughs> with the shits, Hippolyta came back. <laughs> I told you Hippolyta could be brought back to Chicago without the car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when she came back, I thought, what other powers could she have? Like, did she leave them behind, or did she bring them with her? And mm. sure enough, we got a taste. By the way, I like the detail. When they were uh, fixing the time machine, that she said, uh, twisted like I taught you how to French braid Diana's hair. That was cool. It was, I'm sure you felt this mm. deeper than me. It was really frustrating to see Tick and Montrose talk to Hippolyta crazy the whole time. Oh, yeah, that irked the shit out of me. It's like they were holding her back as she was trying to like process and calculate. You sounded crazy. What? <laughs> Remember uh, the Key and Peel sketch, Negro Town, when Key kept interrupting Peel and he was like, Yeah, but seriously, shut the fuck up. (laughs) There was was a split second when she gave this huge eye roll to the ceiling. It was a split second. Mm. Did did you catch that? Mm. I I felt that. They irked the shit out of me. Now but get I mean, in the they fucking were, car. They were just, they were just, they were just being their themselves. Yes, their male ass, <laughs> know it all ass selves. Yes. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yes. <laughs> and even when she got the machine working, and she continues to Still. work, ticks like, what are you doing? Right. But can a nigga finish a song? Oh, I mean, can a nigga finish? I'm sorry. If you don't get in the portal, <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she's doing. <laughs> Before we get back into Tulsa. Mm-hmm. 
I want to go back to uh, with Ruby mm. trying to talk Letty into joining her. And you said you had some things to say about that. And at first, I was upset at her for, you know, throwing these men in the trash. But at the same time, she made a good argument. Like, what have they really done for her? Mm. You were right, though. You know, Christina isn't good. It was definitely toxic white feminism. It's like the the women's suffrage movement, you know, Uh. like white women fighting for themselves while using others to get what they want. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to... Yeah, so um, Christina says when she gets... Because she comes for Ruby to help Dee, and she says that that Lancaster is the only one to revert the spell since the texts aren't available. So she shows who she is here because, one, she needs the text for her immortality spell, and she knows that Tick's family has it. So she plays on their need to heal Dee to light a fire under them to retrieve the book. Two, she lets Lancaster die because she had the amulet in his office that made him, instead of regenerate healing, he was regenerating the same wounds, so he was just dying. Um, So she lets him die, knowing that he is the one who can reverse it. She allows Dee to die, figuratively, because she doesn't care about anything but her mission. This is why I see no redeeming qualities in her. I don't care if she truly loves Ruby. At the end of the day, she sees the same selfishness in Ruby that she encompasses and feels... Um, that she encompasses in herself and she feels comfort and not being alone in that, like not being a weirdo in that, that she feels that Ruby gets her, but it's the selfishness that she sees in her. It's all selfish and self-serving. Ruby doesn't give a shit if Tick needs to die as long as she and her sister are okay. Zena doesn't give a shit if Dee needs to die Mm. as long as she gets the book of names. Yeah, totally. They are a match made in heaven. (laughs) I really liked Ruby at the beginning. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? I still like her. Yeah, I like her. I think it's <laughs> I think it's wild how when the show starts off, the people that we thought were supposed to really like, mm. I'm really supposed to like Tick right. and, and he's Ruby. The hero. And Ruby. I was yeah. like, I want more of her. And you hate the dad because he's an asshole. And then you're like, oh man, well, but you know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's been through so much. <laughs> At the end of it, the only person who's been straight the way all the way through is Hippolyta. Indy. Indy, yes, of course. <laughs> Let's go to back to Tulsa and mm. when Thomas got killed. His crush died being himself mm. and Montrose lived on dying inside little by little, suppressing himself. And I just man, this was so wonderfully acted. Like Michael K. Williams has to get nominated. He yeah. has to win. That is not it. He needs to win for his performance. Just he convinced Tick to let him possibly change the course of time, just to let him have some happiness. Mm-hmm. But he stops himself. He convinces himself to let someone die, and Letty convinces someone to die. But he was willing to not have the future of of Tick, because Tick tells him, "Hey, if you stop this, there will not. I will not exist." Right. Because uh, you don't, you like, this could completely change that. And he's like, okay. Like, he was willing to to stop that, which was like, wow, that that said a lot. That's love, man. Yeah. And they really didn't shy away from the details of the violence here. Mm-hmm. Montrose sees Thomas get killed again, and we see that closer shot. And the worst thing of the episode to me was not the worst, like, as far as a bad thing, but... The bad choreographed fight scene? No. Watching 
that old lady get burned alive. Oh, Dora's mom. Yeah. Yeah. That was powerful, especially with the Sonia Sanchez's Catch the Fire. But it was powerful, though, because she, she, she said God knows the plans that he has for you. That faith. Watchmen shows the horrors of Tulsa on this macro level, but these deaths were a lot more personal. Mm. I mean, we just saw Angela's grandfather's parents get blown up kind of just mm. basically, but this was such, there was, this was much more personal. Montrose was saying names. Yeah. My beef with that woman burning though, mm. I know a lot of people were crying at this scene mm. and it reminded me of Avengers Endgame. Have you seen Avengers Endgame? Yes. When Tony died. Mm. And a lot of people were crying about that. And I just thought to myself in Avengers Endgame, I was like, why don't you just snap him back with the glove you all have? With this, there are two options you can do here. My initial one was, you both have guns. I mean, this sucks, but just end her pain quickly. It won't change the fact that she died and burned in the house that she was supposed to to, to die in. And one of our listeners, or uh, one of my friends, commented on the Facebook page, and he said... Why not just take these people into the portal and skip the past and just go straight into the present? Because it wouldn't affect anything leading up to them being there, but it could affect the future in a positive way. What do you mean by that? So the Tulsa massacre was in 1921, right? and the portal takes them back to the 1950s, right? So instead of saving someone like Thomas, why not just take Thomas through the portal so that he will still theoretically die nothing will change the past in that way but if he's in the present then they can just keep living that's not how time works so wait you're saying to take thomas with them through the portal back to the 50s yeah that's not how time works i know how time works that's not how time any scientist will tell you that's not how time works why not (laughs) why not i mean if it's a parallel universe sure but like that's not how time works. Why not? <laughs> You'd have to ask like a scientist on that, but I'm pretty sure. And even so, there's there's a reason for everything. Like I I I may, that's maybe that's just personal, but I person I personally feel there's a reason for everything. So like to st- like to to go back and be like, yeah, we're gonna stop them from dying, or, we'll, or like go in and be like, yeah, it's okay, we'll just end your death quickly, and then we're gonna take Thomas with us, so you guys can be together. It just sounds wait what? It just sounds really. <laughs> Look, I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't sound weird. All I'm saying is, if I have the chance to go back in time and save people, my answers from being massacred. And if it's going to be assumed, it isn't like they did a huge body count and really Mm -hmm. cared about really getting the details of everyone who was murdered. If you Mm -hmm. took a few people just out and just assumed they burned and died, it wouldn't really affect the past. You don't know that. I don't, but I feel like instead of saying, Thomas, let me save you, just scoop up and just go and just take him into the future and just have this have him be a happy boy and live his life. It made me think of Endgame. You have a tool right there, right mm-hmm. next to you to save this person. But that's like, you know, the people who think about like, let's make a time machine and go and kill Hitler. Do you know what I mean? Like there are those Why people not? who like, think that. I just feel like <laughs> there's a reason for everything. So like even like if like people were to ask that, like okay. I just I, I don't know, it's just me personally. I just feel like things there there's like it's you know what it reminds me of? What's it remind me of? Uh what's that show? God damn it. Black Mirror. Yeah. Okay, and it's the episode where the mom, they put the chip in the girl 
where she can hide certain things that she feels like the girl shouldn't see or like remove certain things so the girl doesn't feel pain, the girl doesn't like feel like hurt or see something like somebody get like murdered or something. Like the, the mom can remove it or like make it blind or something. And in the end, the girl like basically kills her mom because she's like, she has no empathy for these things. There's a reason. It's like you're hiding I don't know. It's just like it's like you're hiding things that you need to go through. The girl needs to go through these things. You're like, no, 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 I don't want her to see this. I don't want to deal with this. And then it's like, what happens in the end? The girl killed you and she ran off with this guy. It's like <laughs> because okay. she was like completely missed all this I, stuff. I would I, I would say that <laughs> if they decide to save Thomas, that could affect Montrose. Oh, for sure. So I that one I understand. The lady though, uh Dora's mom. That woman says she was ready. It's, that's true, but I don't understand why she chose to be burned alive. That that was weird to me. I was like, to me, it's again, it's I can excuse the saving Thomas thing, but for Lady to just mm. want to be, if she wanted, it felt and it and it was the whole thing with uh, Letty walking in slow mo through the thing while oh. while Hippolyta was going Super Saiyan Blue. That was, was a callback to what to Letty's dream when she saw Hannah running through the. The uh, in her dream, okay. she was wearing the red dress, and Hannah was running with the book, mm. and the fire was happening, and Lady was pregnant. It was that's, a total callback. That's fine, but there was no sense of urgency in her walking slow mo for the gram. No, you know that was that was total movie. That was total like this is a show we're acting here. And that's and that's how I felt <laughs> about the lady burning alive. It it was sad to see that. Mm. It was horrifying to see that and know that that really happened. It happens today. It happened a long time ago, but it felt like this was unnecessary. We could have. Mm. For me, okay. it reminded me of a Vin game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's keep going on because we're, we're almost done with this. How do you feel about Tick being Montrose's savior? That was really cool. Some some like real real Terminator. It was very redeeming. There. Yeah. It was very redeeming. I thought it was, I thought it was good for Tick more than Montrose personally. I feel it was because at Tick seeing from the experience, seeing everything that his father went through. And I felt it was. I felt like that was more healing for Tick than it was for Montrose. Mm. You know, I feel like Montrose's healing was just re- facing that trauma and reliving that. Even though, like, it's horrifying that PTSD, like where he, the smell of smoke even reminds him of Tulsa. You know, but it's just like, I felt like that was way more for Tick. And it's a callback to the first episode, right? His his dream. His dream. Yeah, because he's been told that story millions and millions of times. And then for it to be like, oh, it's me. He dreamed of a hero and he was his own hero. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Do you have any, any last things to say? The continuity issue. So the observatory was in Kansas and now it's in Kentucky. I actually made a note of that. You said yeah. it was in Kansas last time. Yeah. Are you for sure it was Kansas I'm last time? I'm pretty sure it was Kansas. I feel like I, honestly, I feel like I did hear you say that. So yeah. It was, Can- I'm pretty sure it said like Mayfield, Kansas. Right. And then, and then it's like Kentucky. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I just feel like that was a. I feel like that was a continuity issue. Well, maybe or I could maybe just be wrong. But... Well, no, I think <laughs> to your point. Remember when mm. Montrose said, "I think we fucked something up." Mm. I wonder if that's the connection. You know, this show doesn't waste time. Yeah, maybe that's the connection there. Maybe. Oh, and also, so Lancaster when he dies, um, what happened to the guy in the closet? Eh, who cares. I do. That's a huge plot. And then again, like I said earlier, that poorly choreographed fight scene. It was not good. <laughs> Especially because they had guns before, right? No, no, no. They didn't have guns. The guys who came up, like there was like, I think one gun or something. But no, it, like the fight scene was bad. Like watching it choreographed, like because like, you know, you've done stage combat. 
Have you? No. I mean, I'm a self-defense instructor, yes. Okay, so you, have you done stage combat? No. Okay, stage combat is it's choreographed. It's mm-hmm. a dance. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible watching that because it was like, there was one point where I think like, uh, young George punches one of their attackers, but it doesn't hit. So the arm goes, and the attacker like swings around, and then somebody it was, punches it him was in the gut, bit, and he's it was like, and fake, he flies. Yeah. It was so bad. I was like, oh guys, how how long are we are doing this at night? Because <laughs> I know y'all tired. <laughs> it was not good. I didn't think about that too much. No, <laughs> sorry. It was just because as the scene's going on, Montrose is talking, mm-hmm. and they're showing the fight scene, and uh-huh. I'm just like, ooh, sweetie, no. <laughs> Oh, baby. Before we go, shout out to, uh, God, what was his name? He's in Black Lightning as Lala, his father. He's a good character actor. All right. Oh, um, yes, yes. I used to watch him on Black and Sexy TV. What show was he on on Black and Sexy? Uh, oh, that guy. He was on that guy on Black and Sexy TV. William Catlett, who is Montrose's father. Yeah. He's a, he's a great actor. I like mm-hmm. him a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot. He, he... He, I feel like he's slightly typecast. Yeah, but just, 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 a, just a pinch. But, <laughs> but it works. So. Totally. He was very scary. Yeah. He was that like like Joe Jackson vibe. Hmm. Guess which. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm really excited about the finale coming up next week. Same. Again, Janelle Monae will be doing a VR performance after that. Mm. Orethia Blue in full effect. Yeah. At Artem. Yeah, I'm excited for that. <laughs> All right, we really got to get out of here. Literally, the studio is about to like turn the lights out on us. So let's 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 clock out here. We're very excited about the finale of Lovecraft Country coming up next week. We'll be talking about that for sure. Very excited about Kipo season three is out now. Oh my god, I'm gonna go home and watch right now. Actually, I'm lying. I'm gonna go home and go to bed. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, this is this is Bird Up. Find us on Facebook at B L E R D U P. Find us on Instagram at B L E R D P or U P. And find us on Twitter at B L E R D U J. Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. Y'all still haven't followed me. I'm very upset about it. I'm at Jade, J-A-D-E, Chanel, C-H-A-U-N-E-L-L-E. You better follow me now because I'm about to make it private because I already made my DJ Instagram. Get on it. Go vote. But stay woke. Peace.